False teachers definitely overpromise and underdeliver. That's because what they teach really has no power. It's false, and it doesn't have the power of God. And so false teachers are being exposed in 2 Peter chapter 2 a little bit about how you can recognize them, what they look like, and what they're up to, and where they'll lead you. It's not a good place. It's not where you want to be. Peter will give us more insight in 2 Peter chapter 2. That's today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. The Christian life, and I'm sure you've noticed, can tend to cramp one's lifestyle. (laughs) That is your old lifestyle. The Christian life demands change. We are being conformed into the image of who? Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is righteous and holy. It is a process, no doubt. We start off when we're born again of the Holy Spirit, we're little babies in Christ and we want to grow. And then we get solid food and then we want to be used by the Lord. And and it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes take a step backward and skin our knee and fall on our face. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about movements that basically say, You can be a Christian and do whatever you want. You can have Jesus as your Savior, but he doesn't necessarily need to be your Lord. Well, even unbelievers look at that and think that's ridiculous. True? Unbelievers think that we should act like Christians. (laughs) You ever had an unbeliever call you out? Hey, aren't you a Christian? Yeah. Well, then, doesn't your book say something about this? See, they know those verses, right? They'll be quick to remind you. These false teachers, they indulge the flesh, verse 10, with its corrupt desires. They despise authority. They are daring, verse 10, self-willed. They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. If you have an NIV, it says celestial beings. ESV says the glorious ones. The word is doxas, or the word for glory. New King James has it as dignitaries. We'll come back to that. If you want to know, well, Pastor Michael, what's the purpose of this teaching? Well, the purpose of this teaching is that you would be able to identify false movements and false teachers because that's what Peter's intention was. And he's saying, here's, how, here's another way you can know. They're about the flesh. You can do whatever you want and still be fine with God. And they despise authority. There are new waves now in the professing Christian church of a new apostolic movement. Modern day apostles and prophets claiming that sometimes they know more and have more wisdom and knowledge than the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter. These are, this is the new wave now where they're speaking on par with scripture. Don't you believe it? The canon is closed. We have 66 books. Nobody's adding a 67th book. Some people in the past tried to do that. It didn't work so well. And I'm talking about people who in other religious movements said, oh, we can add this or I can add my own chapter to the Bible. You don't do that. God's word is God's word. Well, they despise authority. Probably here they have contempt for all authority. They don't want to be under authority 
They're their own authority. If you come into a place where there is no authority, there's no group of elders, there's no person over this person over this person, then you may express some concern. If there's no checks and balances over money that comes into a ministry, you might want to check. Because if there's no accountability and there's no authority structure, you can take it probably to the bank that someone is uh, benefiting personally from that. And it's about them. They despise authority. They're daring. They're self-willed, which is the opposite of God-willed. And they don't even tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Now, there's two possible meanings of this group. It's either authority as in church authority or maybe even governmental authority, end of verse 10. Or it could be angelic majesties, which is how Jude has it. And we'll talk about that in a second. And so they're not even afraid to call out anybody, but in this case, it may be even angels. Have you ever heard a preacher begin to call out the devil in the middle of a sermon? And they begin to say, they begin to say, now devil! And that's how you gotta talk when you say it, right? Not sure if they go into restaurants and order their cheeseburger that way. But Greg Laurie one time did a pretty good rendition. You go into the restaurant and you say, waitress! Can I have a cheeseburger? That's the way you got to say it. So in the middle of a message, they'll start calling out the devil and challenging Satan. And it's another way to express, you know, the people in the, in the congregation start thinking, whoa, is he spiritual? Look at him calling out Lucifer. Well, I'll just tell you, not a smart idea. In fact, in the parallel account, which is in the book of Jude, go, go a little bit to your right. It's the book right before Revelation. Jude comments on this. It's an interesting passage because it talks about the body of Moses. But let's take a look at Jude. It's only one chapter, so we would say Jude 8. Or if you want it, Jude 1, verse 8. Yet in the same manner, these men... Also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Uh, NIV says, in the very same way, verse 8, Jude 1, these dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. But Michael the archangel, one of my favorite guys in the Bible right there, great name, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said what? The Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. They enter into the realm of the spirit world, if you will, and start calling out things, thinking that they have some level of authority and do you know the irony here, folks? 2 Peter 2, if you turn back there, is that most commentators believe they're not even Christians. You want to talk about something dangerous? You're a non-Christian without the Holy Spirit in you calling out the devil, challenging him. I would say that's a pretty bad career move. Not even Michael the archangel, which I think the majority of scholars think that he's near the top in terms of power 
and position as an archangel, not even he would do that. Yet these teachers come along and that's what they do. They have no respect for authority. They think that they're the only authority. There are churches that have come along, there are movements that say, unless you are baptized by our pastor and our baptismal, according to our formula, you're not saved. Can I say, look for the exit sign and run quickly to the nearest exit. Now, we know that we're supposed to do things a certain way according to the New Testament's instruction. But we, when a church starts saying, unless you're in our baptismal, with our water, with our pastor, uh-uh. See, we got issues there. The body of Christ is all over the world. And if you go to a lake or get baptized in a bathtub or whatever, and you're done, you, you get baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it's a sincere baptism, that's legit. We have people going to Israel, and many of us are going to go into the Jordan River, and it's going to be cold. And I had a sweet sister from the church say, Pastor Michael, I think you should pack a wetsuit. And I thought, that is a wonderful idea. Because many people want to be baptized, and I'm a little wimpy when it comes to cold water. They're going to literally be baptized in the Jordan River. Is that baptism more legitimate than others? No. Because what really matters is that you've been converted in your heart and you're honoring God's word. These teachers, verse 12, 2 Peter 2, are like unreasoning animals. I don't know if you've ever tried to have a discussion with your dog about logic. My dog doesn't seem to get it. See, one of the things that you can know that's a difference, the difference between humans and animals, one of many things, and one of the reasons that the Bible says we're made in the image of God is we can reason. See, it's not that we can just think. We have reasoning capacities. We can use logic and reason. Animals don't do that. They do things by instinct. But these, these false teachers, like unreasoning animals born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed, or like the beasts, they too will perish. They follow their instincts. The book of James comments on this when it talks about the traps that get set for animals and how Temptation is that way. If you set a trap for a bear and there's a piece of meat hanging there, what's the bear gonna do? He's overwhelmed by his instinct, so he goes for the piece of meat and the trap closes on him. Or a fish, if you use, how many of you are fishermen out there? If you use one of those nice, pretty lures, I know nothing about fishing. People have tried to convert me to fishing. Nothing works for me. Not even the pretty little lures. The fish have meetings under the water, and they say, that's Pastor Michael up there. Nobody bite on that lure. Don't take the bait. But in normal circumstances, a fish will chomp on it, and behind that bait is a hook, right? Well, this is what happens. People take the bait. They're promised a package from a teacher or a movement. If you just give this much money, this will happen. If you just give this much time, this will happen. If you knock on this many doors, this will happen. And usually what happens is the benefit is not to the individual. 
Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we've put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. And usually what happens is the benefit is not to the individual, but to the movement. And in the end, it often produces nothing or it produces something that's even worse. It's destructive and deceptive. Suffering wrongs, 13, as the wages of doing wrong, they counted a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you. Stains and blemishes could be a reference to the body, the, the body of Christ. They are blemishes on the body. But they suffer wrong as the wages of doing wrong. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. Flip back over to Jude. There's a lot of parallels between Jude and 2 Peter 2. In Jude 1, here's what it says. Jude 1, verse 12. It says, these men are those hidden reefs. Now, if you've uh, done any boating, a hidden reef is a very dangerous thing because you can be trekking along in your boat, and if you hit a hidden reef, what's it going to do? It's going to destroy the ship. There's other passages that say that they shipwreck people in their faith. These men are, who are hidden reefs in your love feast. They would go to the early Christian potlucks. That's what the love feasts were. They would show up and they would feast without fear with the church, blend in, caring for themselves. There are clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted. Man, this is hard language, but here it is. Wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. It sounds like their judgment is not going to be a light one either. And so they come into the church. They blend in. They come to our potlucks and eat all of our food. They eat the oatmeal raisin cookies for which... I have personal issues with that, <laughs> but we won't go there tonight. They have eyes, 14, 2 Peter 2, 14, full of adultery that never cease from sin. You know, it's been said that the eyes are the window of the soul. Their eyes are full of adultery. What does that mean? Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've committed what? Adultery in your heart. These guys never stop. They, they have a religious business card, but they're gawking at women. They, they act inappropriately. I mean, these are ways that you measure these things. 
In fact, it says they never cease from sin. They have no power over sin. They entice unstable souls. They have a heart trained in greed. They are accursed children. They've gone to the school of greed and they are accursed children. Now, if you're a Christian, you are a child of the Most High God, adopted into the family of God. If you're an accursed child, what are you? A child of the devil, a pawn of Satan. Now, I'm reading the New Testament to you, so I hope you know that the New Testament writers did not take false teaching lightly. They had some very strong words for people who did this to the church and to new converts. 1 John 3 is the next passage you want to go to. 1 John 3, a little bit again to your right. Now, just a little before Jude. 1 John 3, verse 7. These verses are often misunderstood, but these are talking about patterns of life. I'm reading from the NIV. 1 John 3, 7 says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. 1 John 3, 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin or habitually in sin because God's seed, that is his Holy Spirit, remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. This is how we know the children of God, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Well, how can you say you love your brother if you're trying to rip him off for his money with a false movement? And so righteousness becomes a way to measure someone who makes a claim to be a Christian. Again, we're not talking about perfection, thank God. We're talking about direction. We're not talking about that you're never going to make a mistake, but we're going to talk about the overarching umbrella of your life is going to be a life that reflects your Lord. And the Bible just puts it that simple. These false teachers, 2 Peter 2.15, have forsaken the right way. They have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he, Balaam, received, verse 16, a rebuke for his own transgressions, or transgression from, for a dumb donkey speaking with the voice of a man restrained the madness of the prophet. Now, how many of you have read the story of Balaam? Balaam's story is in the book of Numbers, chapters 22 through, I think, about 25. And Balak, a king of that time, wanted him, this prophet Balaam, to curse the children of Israel. But every time he attempted to, because he was tempted by the money, he couldn't do it because God turned the curse into a blessing. And every time he wanted to curse them, he went into like a trance and God would bring a blessing instead. He, he just couldn't do it. And at first he didn't want to do it, but he was being offered compensation to do it. And so finally, he told Balak, this is the way that you can get to the children of Israel. Use the Moabite women and they'll commit immorality with the Moabite women. And this is the way that he corrupted Israel. And as he was on his way, he was riding his donkey and his donkey wasn't cooperating. And his donkey was moving off the road 
And he began to beat his donkey. And the donkey said to him, what have I ever done to you? <laughs> Can't I just be with you? <laughs> I've been a faithful donkey, right? Now, when a donkey starts talking to you, you may want to pay attention because God may be trying to get a message to you, right? So the voice of a man came out of the donkey and then it turned out that all of a sudden Balaam looked up and saw somebody in the road and it was the angel of the Lord and scholars believe no less than Jesus Christ who had a sword. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, hey, don't be mad at your donkey because if your donkey wouldn't have turned away at the sight of me, I surely would have killed you and let the donkey live. That's when you look down at your donkey and you say, thank you, donkey. I appreciate you. The donkey had more discernment than the prophet. And sometimes the application, I think, should be obvious. Sometimes people who should know better act like donkeys. And so Balaam forsook the right way. And he went astray because he loved the wages. He loved what unrighteousness paid. See, righteousness doesn't always pay the big bucks. Doing things the right way doesn't always make you profitable in the sense of material wealth. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be a Christian and have a profitable business or company. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying in ministry, when you do things the right way, it may mean that there's not going to be huge things rolling in, materially speaking. Revelation 2.14 says, I have a few things against you because you have there some who are holding the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block or an impediment before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Today we have movements that don't seem to care anymore about the covenant of marriage. Don't seem to care anymore about the fact that marriage is between a man and a woman. These are things that the church has always believed. These are things that the Bible teaches. But they're not necessarily popular. Please hear how I'm about to say this with the church in the culture. And I'm talking about the professing church. And so it becomes hard. And the prophet was kind of mad. He, he had gone astray and the Lord used a dumb donkey to speak with the voice of a man to restrain his madness. There's a lot of madness going on. These are springs without water. If you have a spring without water, it's not a spring at all. If you have something that's not filled with water, it can't produce. They are mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Spring without water. The word spring there is the same one used by our Lord when he spoke to the Samaritan woman. He talked about uh, a, a water springing up to eternal life. And he said to the woman at the well, if you drink this water, you're gonna what? You're, you're gonna thirst again and again. 
But if you drink the water that I will give you, it will quench the deepest thirst of your life. See, false movements without the true Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit will never satisfy your deepest need. Never. You need to have an encounter with God. And so these false teachers have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're clouds without water. Imagine that you're a farmer and you really need the spring rains to come and clouds come over and they look like they're gonna produce buckets of water and you wait and nothing happens. A cloud without water. It doesn't produce water or life or anything that is critical to your life. They speak out arrogant words of vanity. They entice 18 by fleshly desires, by sensuality. Those who barely escape or are just escaping from the ones who live in error. They're really good at getting new believers sucked into their movement. New believers who hear people talking about Jesus and the Christian life and new believers lack what? Discernment. And so they, they prey on brand new believers who have just escaped the corruption of their own life only to be taken advantage of by a false teacher. Can you imagine anything more sad? Someone gets out of the world, finally gets delivered by the power of Jesus Christ, comes into a relationship with the Lord and gets manipulated by a professing church or pastor. Devastating. And it happens. Promising them freedom, 19, while they themselves are slaves of corruption. They promise people freedom, but they can't deliver it because they themselves are slaves and that's all they can make. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Movements that promise freedom. What is freedom? What's true freedom? Is true freedom to do whatever you want Whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want. Is that really true freedom? I'll tell you, people who live that way are not free. They end up enslaved. P.T. Forsythe, who's quoted by Warren Wiersbe, says, The purpose of life is not to find your freedom, but to find your master. Close quote. Kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? Because the culture says, oh, you just need to be free. But if you go that way, are you truly free? Or do you become a slave of sin? Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael, and I appreciate you listening to today's message. I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. On the store, we have a brand new teaching up. It's on the occult. It's called The Dark Dangers of the Occult. And we have taught on the subject of demon possession and we also have taught on the subject of Wicca or witchcraft, and there's more to come. And you need to know about this subject. You need to know what's going on with the occult, what the Bible says about it. It warns about it being forbidden. It warns that you should not mess with it. But there's also something else. We need to reach out to people in love with the truth of Jesus who've gotten involved in the occult. You can have access to this information, these resources to learn more and to become a more effective ambassador for Christ. It's all available at the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.